Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. Yo, what's up? Welcome back to the Inside OU Podcast, uh, free edition on Thursday from Vanessa House Brew Company. Beer company. Well, they brew here. I always botch the name, and I, I work here part-time. I'm the worst. I didn't get the name of the beer. We're going to have to figure that out. By the Well, it's an amber so. beer, and it looks real pretty. It's good. It, yeah, it must be good because you only drink like Pilsners and Lagers and Natty Lights and Bud Lights and Coors Lights, which is there's nothing wrong what? with those beers. No, there's not. I don't know how much how many how much booze have I just chucked down in my body tailgating. I can't remember. But uh I can't remember at all. I'm definitely a like this is this is how awful I am. So if I go into, you know, a beer place like this that they brew their own beer, I go. A beer place. Beer company, brewery, yeah. you know, whatever. I go, what is the closest to a Coors Light that I can get? I think I said Coors. Coors Light. Coors Light. Yeah, exactly. So I do that, and they're always like, oh, it's this. I'm like, okay, great. I'll take that. I'm one of those guys. There's nothing wrong with those guys. Nothing wrong with those at all. You, you've called me an uncultured no. I don't know if it was Unc- you. Uncultured swine, Yeah, that yes. was you. That yeah. was yeah. Well, Keegan, I I meant that with absolute, you know, all due respect. <laughs> you know how I respect you so much. Hey, I'm, I'm wearing a movie jersey. Yeah, what is that? You're wearing, is that a baseball jersey? It's a Bull Durham. It's the new Lelouch jersey I got. Bull Durham. Yes. The One of the uh, greatest movies of all time. I've never seen it. I mean, it's a baseball movie, so it makes sense. I've seen The Sandlot. It's a, uh, see, that it's, that's, a, that's another old-timer. I but like, Bull I like Durham th- is about, like, AAA baseball and basically the groupies that follow it and, like, everybody going through a season back in the day. Yeah, it's I've great. read a few stories about uh, Babe Ruth. Oh, um, way, way, way back in the day, obviously, uh, but just how much of a rock star he is. I hate some you. some of the. He, I want you a lot to of know, pissed off boyfriends th- around the old uh, Major League Baseball city. He's cities got the back biggest the grin on his face right now. <laughs> it's the biggest shit inning grin. Uh, I'll never forget. Hey, we're only hey, we're like three weeks until spring training, Brady. You got to get your mind right. Who's your team? Have we discussed this? Um, well. Oh, okay. Actually, you might like this. Okay. Um, I grew up when I used to watch baseball. I was a Houston Astros fan. Uh. No, no, no. Like when they won the World Series before we all knew that they were cheating. When they won the World Series, um, I didn't claim them. I didn't like just come out of nowhere out of the woodwork on Twitter and say, yeah, I'm an Astros fan. No, I, I grew up liking Jeff, Badw- Jeff Bagwell, Craig Biggio, Lance Berkman, Brad Osmus. That team, that era of Houston Astros baseball, and the, probably because – my Little League baseball team was called the Astros, so I thought, oh, I'll root for the Astros, right? And uh, my Astro fandom culminated in their World Series sweep okay. to the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. And from that moment on, I'm just like, yeah, I'm just. Because you got to remember, OU had lost the 03 na- <laughs> national title, the 04 national title, they got destroyed. Um, the Miami Heat won the 06 final, so I was, you know, feeling pretty good about myself, but I wasn't into basketball as much as I was into baseball back then. And so I thought, I'm just cursed. I'm not going to root for the Astros anymore. I'm just – I can't do it. It's one of those things with baseball to where, like, if you're invested 
you're invested from the start to the end, and it's so long. And like as a Cardinals fan, you can you can attest to this that whenever you get to the postseason, it's like man, if they lose, it's like you spent six months worrying about this. Well, that's what's great about being a Cardinals fan right now in the NL Central, which you don't know. It's a complete sell-off. No one's buying anything. <laughs> oh, okay. So, anyways, Texas. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead, Brady. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Once again. Shout out to Vanessa House for taking care of us, giving us some good drinks. And if you are looking for a fun little place in Oklahoma City downtown, 8th and Broadway, go try out their beers. I personally like the Destination Wedding. It's a Cerveza, but they won't be having that for a few more weeks, it looks like. Unfortunately, I'm going to cry myself, but hey, they've got the commercial free Pilsner. So if you're like Keegan and you like the lighter beers, the domestic domesticated beers... Then try the commercial free because guess what? It's got a big 107.7, uh, the franchise logo on it. Oh. Commercial Ooh. free Pilsner. And then also in February, I think February 12th, they're bringing back the slush fund, which was super popular. It was, was it so is, good? Is that like it's o- so hot is it right Oklahoma now. oriented? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, what is a slush well, fund, Keegan? Tell me about the stocks. Uh, okay. All right. Tell me about uh, the stocks. No, 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 no. We don't need to get into the. Oklahoma ties there, but oh, fair enough. That's see, that's because it's unconfirmed, Brady. We're just spreading propaganda, I think, against people. See, but what is confirmed, Keegan, and this will be the first time we've been able to talk about it for the freebies. Oh, you won the transfer portal, a little bit. C- continuing to win, I continuing guess. to win. They even got a guy that none of us had heard of. Yeah, who is Micah Bowens? No clue. No clue. You know I what? Fu- God love him. He wants to be a Sooner, and I love him to death because of it. All right, so here's what this is what I found out today, was that he was buried on the depth chart at Penn State. Probably wasn't going to play that much, but the coaching staff there, the previous it was the previous coordinator is the one that was recruiting him. So they, I guess, new coordinator, whatever, didn't like him. He got out of there. He reminds me of like if Spencer Sanders and Jalen Hurts had a kid. That's that's who this. That kid would is. be a miracle. It would be, but no, if they did. So Science would have to study so this. So he's got, like, Jalen Hurts' skill set. Weird throwing, kind of a weird throwing motion, bigger frame body. Elongated. Rawr. Yes. And then, but he plays like Spencer Sanders in terms of. So he turns the ball over a lot. No, but he's, you can tell he's a little. He's a mental midget? A little hectic with the, I don't know, a little. Not control. Doesn't play like under control. Is doesn't what it seems like. So fair enough. It's it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Obviously, looks like it's just going to be a uh, a guy. You know, that's going to be a backup. A jag. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be a scholarship or walk on guy. No one could figure that out. Watch so, him be the most heralded, storied quarterback of all time. It's going to be interesting <laughs> to see like if they bring in a twenty twenty two quarterback. Does this kid transfer out and go back to UNLV or whatever? But the biggest part of this, which is what I just hit on, is that he's from Bishop Gorman. And there's three guys from Bishop Gorman that Oklahoma wants. And Very yummy. That the Branch brothers, and then as well as Jake Taylor, an offensive tackle. Oklahoma's extremely interested in out of uh, out of Bishop Gorman. And they've got somebody on staff who graduated from Bishop Gorman. Yeah, he wasn't bad. Was not bad at all. That would be one DeMarco Murray, who is joined by a former teammate of his. As of Tuesday, I believe is when the hire went down for Joe John Finley, uh, replacing Shane Beamer. Uh who I accidentally typoed on Patreon as Shame Beamer. I didn't Shame? With yeah, an M? Yeah, it was just the autocorrect. I hate Apple, man. It's so much worse on my well, iPhone. Well, if you listen to South Carolina fans, that he actually purposely didn't coach that Baylor game. So it is a shame. 
details. Uh, uh, I'm not. Have a, you not I, seen that? I'm Did not you not privy. I am not privy to this. No, it was the during the game when Shane Beamer was announced as a coach, like during the game because he had COVID or was in COVID protocol, right? A bunch of people during the game were like, "He didn't have. He's not in protocol. He's accepting the job at South Carolina." Oh yeah. Shame. Shame. That is shame. A shame. Shane. Nah. It's all good. He came back and helped. Oh, you win a Big 12 championship. And then they gave him a free infomercial on the field after the game. Hearing uh, Braden Willis talk about that was really, really funny. Shout out, to Red, somebody. shout out to Red Dirt Sport. Did you see Shane Beamer's quote the other day yeah. in regards to Tennessee's cheating? Yo, it, it, <laughs> like, I've had conversations with people about that this week, Brady, and it's just I like. I hate this. It's just like. I hate you, OU compliance. Yeah, it's, it's that, but it's mostly in terms it's like, all right, let's. Everybody's playing the game. It's it's being flaunted in front of everybody right now. So let's uh, and then on the on the funny enough, I'm going this direction, Bertie. On the flip side, it worked out in maybe in Oklahoma's favor. And I'm not saying that. I'm kidding. I'm tongue in cheek there. But Oklahoma wins a battle with A&M in recruiting, which hasn't happened. Yes, so. Mr. Wanya Morris, former five-star recruit in the 2019 class, mm-hmm. he was a freshman in. 2019 uh, sophomore campaign in 2020 at Tennessee wasn't as good apparently as his 2019 uh, film would suggest, but I think that probably has more to do with the fact that Tennessee is an absolute dumpster fire. Absolute, and it's working out Oklahoma's favor. You know, we throw that word around, that phrase "dumpster fire," and I think it's not lost. Its not meaning. anymore. Not anymore. They they actually did something good today. Oh yeah, what did they do? They hired, they hired uh, UCF's, UCF's athletic director, which so is gonna, a good first start. Is he going to bring uh, Josh Eipel with him? Did you see that? That was brought up. Really? Yeah. That was that, actually that, brought that, up. Yeah, that was, I uh, forgot what, sh- maybe Matt Hayes, who I does national college football reporting. So by someone much smarter than me. Someone much smarter than us, I guess. Yeah, well, Allegedly. Well. Allegedly. If we combine our, you know, brains. That's a scary thought. Oh, well, you know. You gotta, we don't need to do that. Uh, no. I don't want to root for Texas, quite frankly. N- but Wanya Morris transfers to Oklahoma, Brady, and we haven't been able to talk about this. I have put out some stuff up on Sooners Wire. I put some stuff up on the uh, old Twitter. Major get. I mean, he is every – I know it's one game that I've broken down, but I've gone back and watched a couple others. Everything I've said, I think, speaks true to it. He's got a lot of work. He's got to be, he's got to be more consistent with his fundamentals and technique and stuff. But it's the same project that Bill Beanbow's gone through before at left tackle. And it's going to be interesting to see if this is something that clicks right away because he does have years of experience playing, unlike yep. Orlando Brown whenever Bill Beanbow got him. But it's, it's one of those things where if this didn't happen, tackle would have been such a major question mark. And now that he's here, it's like, oh, okay, well, Oklahoma's offensive line's fixed. I, it, it, it's, but, like, I agree to that thought. Because it's like okay, well, now you've got a book. You got two book and left tackles that are going to be really athletic, like super athletic. You know, what your Wanya Morris is a prototypical size left tackle for the NFL. You know, he's a guy that if he has a big year, he's a you know late first round kind of player. And so they're just you add him to the mix, Brady, and it makes it makes you feel. I know it makes you feel a lot better. Heading into next season. Oh, definitely. Whenever you've got a guy like that in the fold. No, definitely. And like I'll admit, I've seen like one of the clips that you've put out on Wani Morris, and you and I have talked about it. And we talked about it extensively on the Patreon podcast we dropped on Tuesday night. So this here's your plug for the Patreon at patreon.com 
uh, forward slash inside underscore OU. We talked about that. We talked about Joe John Finley. Burn Orange Keegan made an appearance. Go tra- go check it out. It's just $4 Allegedly, a month. Allegedly, he's making an appearance today. Yeah. We've got 75 patrons who we all love individually in their own special and unique ways. No matter how many yeah. followers they have. Yeah, so uh, we're trying to get up to 100 around spring football, so let's try and make that a thing so we can up the production value because <laughs> it's important. But, um, no, like, if you recall our post-game pod for the Cotton Bowl, my biggest fear for OU not winning a national championship in 21, if you take out Alabama, if you take out just the opponent of who could potentially stop OU, in terms of just their roster talent was, like, the offensive line needs to take a step. And that, at the time, we just – all we probably greatly assumed was they're just going to lose Creed Humphrey. Adrian Ely leaving was rather surprising. Now, Adrian Ely is not somebody who I think would have – if he had come back would have been like an all-American type talent, but he was a returning starter and the second most consistent player on that offensive line all season long, in my opinion. Um the West of Everest guys, Lee and Grant Benson, I mean, Grant was spot on about Adrian Ely. It's, it could potentially be – especially by getting Wanya Morris uh, an addition by subtraction type deal. But at the time, before getting Wanya Morris, and when we, some people, I was one of them, thought, oh, great, it's going to be another recruiting loss to Texas A&M because of the dollar signs and the, the conference patch logo on their jersey. Uh, I thought, man, this could potentially go downhill rather fast because that offensive line is going to have to take leaps with guys who haven't had that time who haven't had that experience but like you said more so than just what Wani Morris is which I you know I know he's incredibly talented incredibly athletic and I'm sure once we deep dive more into his film over the next few weeks Keegan I'm gonna fall in love with the kid but this more so excites me in that okay this will get every all the good players on the field at the same time and this will put Anton Harrison at the right spot this will put uh this will ease the burden ease the loss of a Creed Humphrey uh, because the interior of the offensive line, especially if uh, somebody like Tyrese Robinson is played off the field by maybe an Andrew Rame, then that is when you can project on paper this offensive line could potentially be elite and not just good enough like they have been the last two years. If this offensive line is, is in an interesting place because you just mentioned it. There's two guys that have a ton of experience that it just it's time like it's good to have players like Eric Swenson and Tyrese Robinson in the fold Oklahoma's going to be probably playing in a bunch of blowouts this year and so having guys like that that can rotate in and be able to give breathers to people is important but whenever you get your best five on the field it looks like left tackle Wanya Morris left guard Marquise Hayes center Creed Humphrey Creed Humphrey Chris Murray right guard Andrew Rame, right tackle Anton Harrison how quickly they get there or if they ever do, like I said on Twitter, is going to be interesting. But that's your best five. That's your most athletic five. It's not going to be the starting unit game one because that's just what Bill Beaton does. I know. It, I know. Hey, look, he can he can work his way up to something because it's worked. It's exactly. Worked, so. No, and I agree. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all kind of that puzzle is put together. So yeah. I'm interested to see, you know, is Wanya put in there immediately because you want, if you do, like playing left tackle and right tackle is two different things because of the way you, your kick step is, right? One's to the left, one's to the right. It's, yeah. it's doing things opposite. So you want Anton Harrison to be able to get as many reps as right tackle as he can, or either or. If it's Morris or Harrison, I would assume it's Morris at left tackle. But 
either or, you want those guys getting as many reps at those positions as they possibly can. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how quickly things evolve there, how quickly things change. And I'm interested to see, you know, just in general, where Bill Biedenboe goes um, with this starting group from the get-go and then how quickly it's going to change because we've seen usually it's the Texas game, right? That That's the mark. Like after the Texas game, it's usually what the Lions going to be all year. Well, I want to see it be from game one. I know it's not going to, but it, it needs to because that's going to put Oklahoma in the best chance to win from game one to game 14, game 15, game 16, um, which is where Oklahoma wants to go. Yeah, I – yeah, I, I don't know how realistic that is because I would I would be curious. Let, let's just use Alabama as an as an example because they just won the national championship. I would be curious if you go back to game one and watch every single play and try to put yourself in the moment without even thinking about okay they eventually win the national championship. You watch every single play of game one, take a day or so off, then watch every single play of game two and so on and so forth. I wonder if it's literally the same unit start to finish, and I have to think that it's not. I'm no. sure that there are different rotations. I'm sure that there's a different combination of guys. Hell, I'm sure that there is a different – there are players playing different in different 2018's spots. 2018's the Smith one. was, like, number two. It was Waddle who everybody was like, oh, God, he broke yeah. his leg or he broke his foot. That sucks because now they're just left with a speed guy in Devontae Smith, and then he wins the damn Heisman Trophy. No, sure. No, well, to your point, like, Oklahoma, though – is in a position though like where even when they're building they should still kick ass exactly and like this group you look at 2018 right which is what i was going to mention that group was the same group from the start to the finish and yeah 2017 when cody or 2016 when cody ford got hurt right immediately that group was the same and it was then it was the same in 2017 or no sorry 2018 jonathan alvarez was the starting center uh, Creed Humphrey after two games. Remember that was the epic Bill Biedenboe press conference. Whenever I think I it was me or someone asked him about. I think I, I may may have been me. I don't. It's someone next to me. If it wasn't, but a humble brag. Well, no, it was just more of a like when his Creed Humphrey obviously played over Jonathan Alvarez, and Bill Beaton goes, "No, yeah, no, Creed's our center." And we were all like, "Okay, oh wow, okay. all right, Bill." <laughs> It's like so just throwing Jonathan Alvarez under the bus like that. Do you remember this? So this was the uh, this was I think fall camp prior to the season starting in 2018, and I had been working for the franchise at that point for about four or five months. You know, the Thunder had already been eliminated by the Jazz in the playoffs. That's that's the time frame that we're talking about here, and I had. L- much less pull at the station. So when they would ask me to do something, I didn't really have a chance to say I don't really want to. So at the time, they asked me and uh, Madison Morris to go up to uh, the Ever Center to go get some sound and video of Lincoln Riley. And we were all jam-packed in there. And you and I were just kind of talking off to the side. And I told you, hey, every time I see Kyler Murray taking snaps under center, just randomly off to the side, it's always with Creed Humphrey. It's yeah. never with Alvarez. And you were like, really? I was like, yeah. I, I, it's just a stupid practice observation. It's just like if somebody came to a Thunder practice or a post practice and said, oh, my gosh, so-and-so is wearing a blue jersey, that means he's going to start, right? Uh, it doesn't always mean sure. that. It, but it's it's something to kind of put in the back of your mind. But, um, you know, that 
just popped in my head. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see just how quickly all this comes together because we know what the best group is, and we'll see if Bill Beanbow gets there. I'm interested, you know, adding one yet, if it's going to be anybody else, and I think this is a great segue, Brady. Tennessee, we mentioned, is a dumpster fire, like real-life dumpster fire. They yeah, their uh, running back has been contacted by, among others, Oklahoma. <laughs> yes. Eric Gray, is Eric, that his name? Eric Gray, he's really, really good. Um, you know, Keyshawn Lawrence is a name that's been brought up to me as well, obviously, as everybody knows that I tweeted out the other day about Big Cat Bryant. I, You know I, what? I, I, I've heard I that, think I've, it's a – I've heard that name, and it, I've heard it – in reference to it's almost it's basically a done deal, but I haven't seen anything official. Yeah, I think it's it's like it's it's in the Morris realm of things, if that makes sense. Like he's entertaining right now from what it looks like, but yeah. at the end of the day, if it's not Oklahoma, I'd, everybody would be shocked. Okay. So, with that being said, I think you know he, Oklahoma just could completely raid Tennessee's roster if they want to. <laughs> From what I understand, like, if Oklahoma wants to take anybody from that roster, like, it's not everybody, obviously, but the group that uh, it's been mentioned, maybe even beyond the, these three new ones, Oklahoma can get them, See, from what I get. This is a great I, lesson yeah. in perspective. This is an absolutely great lesson in perspective. And what I mean by that is, if you're a Tennessee fan, I mean, obviously you are very disappointed. But pretending that none of this is happening – just pretending like you're a Tennessee fan the day after Tennessee's football season ended. You're like, I don't know about Jeremy Pruitt. I don't think it's the right hire. I don't think it's the right guy for the program. And the product on the field is awful. And so you can kind of find yourself saying, this guy sucks, that guy sucks, that guy's overrated. These recruiting rankings are terrible. But now every blue blood, every power five juggernaut wants basically this entire roster that's willing to leave. So whenever I found myself saying this guy sucks for OU or that guy's awful or hashtag Mike's guys, these guys are still really good. These guys are still phenomenally talented. And all that, it really, all that really matters, Keegan, and I think we've seen it with Alex Grinch, is you just have to get the right guy in the room. You have to get the right guy on the sideline for it all to kind of work because you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't know how to utilize it, if you don't know how to put it in the best positions to succeed – you're going to get Jeremy Pruitt a product. You're just going to get that type of product, and nobody wants that, not even McDonald's. <laughs> I think, you know, again, if you're going to cheat, win, one. If you're going to cheat, two, don't get caught. Exactly. There's a bunch of programs out there that are and really please, good at both And please things. don't do anything more than recruiting violations that aren't criminal sure. or morally deplorable but if you're gonna pay them i like go ahead who cares well i mean it's happening everywhere so it's but at the end of the no prostitutes no drugs yeah no no guns no drugs like you said main thing like those those things now if they have a headache you can give them tylenol the whole old miss situation definitely rings a bell so no it's i think you know big cat bryant what he brings to the table i've got some end zone view of him at auburn is it yummy it's like, got to see it. Like, you believe in Oklahoma staff to get the most out of him, but it's very clear he wasn't getting the most out of himself at Auburn in terms of the way he played. Well, it goes back to what I was just saying. Like, what's that culture like in Gus Malzahn's last year? Exactly. Yeah. So, 
he's six five, clearly two fifty, two fifty five. I mean, he's a big dude. So I think if Oklahoma, if he puts on ten pounds, it'll, you know, is that Oklahoma puts on ten pounds becomes a strong side defensive end, same position that Ronnie Perkins played at. But he's also a guy that can be a stand-up rush linebacker as well. So he brings a lot to the table for Oklahoma. But it's a matter of him. He's going to have to buy in. Um, he's a guy that has all the tools are there. It's just putting them to work. And so I, the one guy that I would be excited about if I were Oklahoma, and obviously he's not entered the portal yet, but with the word out on Keyshawn Lawrence, a 6'2", 205, 210-pound guy that can play the position that Patrick Fields plays. And you and I have talked – did long at length about that 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 position is very particular like the guy that plays that position has to be you're the last line of defense in most of the run game you're most of the last line of defense in the pass game you have to be fundamentally sound you have to know the playbook you have to be in position Keyshawn Lawrence is a guy that can play that Demon Harmon's a guy that can play that um that can be a ball hawk but can make sure tackles um so I think landing him of those guys unless it's Gray the running back who Oklahoma is entertaining? If it's not, if if it's just Cat, Big Cat Brian, and Keyshawn Lawrence, Lawrence is a guy that I think has a much higher ceiling. Like I, he's only he was only a freshman. He played some corner, played some safety. Uh, his best game last year was him at safety. Whenever they played Texas A and M, so it's going to be interesting to see. You know, just kind of how everything goes throughout this portal process, and if these are going to be the only guys because. Yeah. There's no telling what can happen. Spring ball is going to come. People are going to find out they're not playing. These rosters are loaded. Um, so there's going to be more defections at more universities and more football programs now. Is the next wave going to be guys that Oklahoma, like, you know, surefire Oklahoma, go, go get them? No. But is there probably going to be a guy or two that pops up from a, you know, major program like Ohio State or somebody that's disgruntled, not seeing the playing time they want in the spring that they expected, and they know the portal wouldn't surprise me at all. If OU, let's just say that Big Cat Bryant is in the fold at some point in the near future. So let me just start from square one. What is the defensive line like? Like how how does that lessen the blow of Ronnie Perkins? Like because straight up, he's not better than Ronnie Perkins. No, no one that they have is better than Ronnie. And now when you add Wanya Morris to the fold, Ronnie Perkins is the biggest loss by far for Oklahoma, in yeah. my opinion, and even more than Ramondre. So. What Big Cat Brian brings to the table, he's a guy that can – if Isaiah Thomas is a defensive end, um, if you're not sold on Marcus Stripling, he could play there. If you're not sold on Jalen Redmond and Corey Roberson and Laurent Stokes and those guys inside, then you could swing Isaiah Thomas inside and play Big Cat Brian outside. If Brendan Walker and Clayton Smith aren't ready, um, Big Cat can also play Rush. So there, he, he's very versatile in terms of where he could fit within Oklahoma scheme. Oh, that's good. But – his best, probably where he's going to end up fitting the best, is playing strong side defensive end on the outside of Nick Benito. So it, it, if, you know, Isaiah Thomas then, you know, you have options with him and Redmond. Redmond play is, I, I, I understand that we've talked about this pretty. I understand the defensive end talk, but yeah. damn it, he is, he could be Much a, sec, yeah. a second-round pick if he plays inside. Like, he is that good. So, And so I think it's interesting as well, and I know NFL draft's coming up, but like whenever you start projecting where this group is, I you know was on a podcast last night. Like it's crazy to think that there's probably seven guys in this front six that are going to get drafted next year. Like it's crazy to think about that. Like in terms of just where Oklahoma's been, where Oklahoma's going, you had a, you're now adding a guy like Big Cat Bryant to the mix. I mean the sky's the limit for this defense. And adding Big Cat though, like at the end of the day, Brady, 
Like, is it important for a depth perspective in 2021? Yes. But you're losing Isaiah Thomas. You're losing Nick Benito. Having a guy with that kind of body type that you can put to work and that could end up being an impact player at 6'5", 260, 270 pounds on the edge, it's important. So it's a big gift for Oklahoma. We'll see how it all kind of progresses, but I would expect it to be Oklahoma at this point, as will I think I think everybody at this point expects that. I certainly hope so, but let's jump to the secondary. Uh, were you talking about, what was his name, Lawrence? Keyshawn Lawrence. Keyshawn Lawrence. Well, where does Justin Harrington fall in, in this entire equation? Let's say that OU does get Keyshawn Lawrence. Because West of Everest was saying that they thought Harrington was going to be the nickel. And perhaps, perhaps so. I've just wanted Justin Harrington by how he's described, by everyone that's seen him in person, by you, I want him at strong safety. <laughs> Um, I, I just want somebody that's physical and, and that wants to hit. But maybe in Grinch's scheme, you need that guy to be at the nickel position, not strong safety. Well, I think whenever just look at it in, in perspective. What's Oklahoma's best five for next year? Most athletic. Patrick Field's probably going to play, but most athletic five. DeLaron Turner-Yell, Justin Harrington, Jane Davis, TJ Graham, and Woody Washington. And in terms of how everything fits there, like I think DeLaron Turner-Yell could play nickel. I think Justin Harrington's best bet is playing further away from the ball. Like, I, I know he's bigger. I know it's easy to go that direction as a nickel. But does he is he a guy that you want coming in on the run game um, and it, kind of with his body type, or do you want him to play in space? And I think Justin Harrington's a guy that needs to live in space, be able to eat it up, you know, be able to come down on screens, be able to blow up screens. But it's I, I think the best thing about Oklahoma's defense next year is it's not going to be married to anything in particular. Like, if if Patrick Fields takes a step this off season, he's a, he's you know he has gotten better from game one to the end of the season each of his last two years, which is important. It's still probably not to the level that Oklahoma needs their strong safety or free safety to play at, but it's still good to a point to where he, as long as Patrick Fields isn't hurting you, he's helping you by on being on the field. And so, can you get more you know more impact plays, more playmaking you know more playmaking ability there? Absolutely, Brady. But, you know, if he's on the field and he's not hurting Oklahoma, he's helping it because of his yeah. leadership, his ability to get guys lined up, get calls in. He knows the playbook left and right. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Justin Harrington needs to be on the field. How he gets on the field is going to be interesting to see. I think he could play nickel, but I think his best bet is playing where DeLaren Turner-Yell plays at right now, personally. So we'll see. But like I said, they've got options. You know, Bryson Washington put on some good tape at the end of that Cotton Bowl. So they're going to have some options back there. It's just a matter of kind of putting those puzzle pieces together, which the secondary and the offensive line are really the only two places where there's kind of a lot of versatility to where there's just a bunch of different combinations that could work, and it's a matter of Oklahoma figuring out in that secondary what it, what it could possibly could be. Yeah. I don't expect Keyshawn Lawrence to come in and play right away, but if he came in and took a job after the Texas game, you know, if, if it all play, plays out in Oklahoma's favor, that, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, going back to what we were talking about earlier about how from game one to game five or six, like, I don't know if every position group is the exact same, even at a place like Alabama. I'll tell you this right now. My prediction is that the secondary is probably the most up up and down, not in terms of production or on the field play, but in terms of combinations of guys that are that are out there, especially if they do add a, um, uh, if they do add Keyshawn Lawrence and Justin Harrington is 100% ready to go and he's as everything – you know, as hyped as he has been going into last off season, so that is certainly 
something I'm excited for. And now we get to the point, Keegan, where <sighs> I don't, I don't understand your, why this is so depressing. It's it's just it's not depressing. It's just the same shit over and over and over again. And that is, of course, the Texas hype machine. And you're already smiling because you're this is your favorite part. I, I, I saved this for the end. And so the floor is yours, Burn Orange Keegan. Go right ahead. See, I don't understand that. There's nothing that I've said, and I will repeat, I will stand by this, since the beginning of this whole deal that I have backed away from, that I've changed my stance. Nothing's changed. Actually, I've even... It's con- not just Sarkeesian, Keegan. It's, it's just... Okay, so now we're going back to the... Well, of course. We're going... We're, like, that's, that's the unfortunate thing about this business is there are receipts... So you have a track record. <laughs> you have a problem. We need to take you to like Texas Fan AA. <laughs> so again, I haven't changed my stance, and I will stick by that. I said the two things Steve Sarkeesian needed to do. He needed to hire a good offensive line coach. Okay, go get Kyle Flood. N- not bad. Two, go f- go hire a good defensive coordinator. Okay, well, go get one of the guys that's proven to stop the spread, and people have tried to replicate what he does defensively, and no one's been able to do it because it's so good. So. They have accomplished the two things on their checklist that they need to accomplish. But here comes the problem, Brady. At Alabama, especially offense. They, the had, way, they the, had so much talent. Yo, their offensive line was like, I am I undersold how good they were. You know, and like they won the Joe Moore Award, right? But those dudes, Brady, my God. Right, like Evan Evan Neal at right tackle is your worst offensive lineman. Like you have a very good problem on your hands. They were Titans, man. They, yeah. They're just so. What they did offensively is they basically this base. It's called duo. It's a zone running scheme, but it's where they do they do a bunch of double teams and then they get up to the second level. Well, one that requires mean mother effers that are going to be nasty. They want to move people, and two that are athletic enough to get up to the second level. And we'll go over this on the Patreon tomorrow, um, but. For for the people that are paid for the film review part of it, but Texas doesn't have that right now. Now here's the kicker, and this is the I think a part that we all feel for, to forget about: the transfer portal changes things. Like it, 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 the offensive line room was a three-year to four-year problem. Well, that can get cut almost in half now because of the transfer portal. And Kyle Flood's got a good enough pedigree, or Kyle Flood's got a good enough pedigree to where they can get talent in there. So but they're still not there yet. They're nowhere near where they need to be. Quarterback. Mac Jones even missed stuff in Sarkeesian's scheme. So how can you sit here and tell me when one of the more bright quarterbacks in college football this year, one of the more bright-minded quarterbacks is an NFL prospect, whenever he's still missing stuff, that offense is tough to run. So, again, I haven't changed my stance on anything. I even made a very aggressive joke the other day about people – that are just saying Sarkeesian's is going to be able to come over to come over to Texas and run what he did at Alabama. I have I can that cannot be further well, from that's the a truth. Com- that's a comic take that doesn't re- that doesn't you don't even indulge your time with that. That's silly. Like Texas doesn't have the talent. Yeah, they don't. And the, the wide receivers are they're good skill players. They've got a re- obviously a really good running back. Um, but I have more questions about where Texas's offense and the direction it's going to head. I think I have an idea to where what they're going to do, but it's going to be a lot more basic. They're going to have to be more basic because they don't have the talent. And then defensively, their secondary hasn't been that good over the last couple years. 
Um, they've got to get more. They got to keep getting more athletes in there and figuring it out um, because they do get elite athletes in the secondary. Texas does recruit really, really, really good DBs. So they got to be able to put it together there. They're DBU, remember? Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. But again, my point is, in my is that two years from now, whenever Oklahoma, this is all I ask, and this is this is what I said on the podcast last night, Bernie, and this is all I ask. I want a top ten matchup in the Cotton Bowl in 2023 with Caleb Williams and whoever Texas's next next quarterback is. We deserve like the the Cotton Bowl. How do I say this? This year, without fans in stands, like opened. I've been to OU Texas for the last five years. I'll preface what I'm about to say with that. I've been in almost. I've been in all those games. This year was different. Texas desperately needed a win. Oklahoma desperately needed a win, and it's really the first game I've been at to where it really felt like both teams really, like, just desperately needed to win. You know, and it just it seems like that's been lost. So what I what all I'm saying is by 2023, Texas has a pretty good shot to be pretty good. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to be a national title contender. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to win the Big 12. But the way it's shaping up, they got a chance to be pretty good. And by all of that, all I ask is that Texas and Oklahoma is a top 10, top 15 matchup. I know they've got some tough non-cons coming up with Alabama and Ohio State and Michigan. But that's what, like, that's all, that's all they need to do. Like, if they can just make that Cotton Bowl respectable, and if Texas can get in there and win a game, you know, like they can. Like, Texas has proven they can win, they, you know, not usually ranked matchups, but they can win a game in there. Yeah. And, and if, you, if you coached at Texas, Keegan, for four or five years, you might almost beat OU. That's yeah. how the series is. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. So, again, I, I, I understand the Sam Ellinger. I understand me being high on Texas in 2018. I get it. I'm not high on Texas in 2021. I think they're capped at a nine-win team. 2020, 2022, I think, is still going to be even more interesting because they still have the same problems they're going to have. They don't have a quarterback. They still got offensive line issues. Um, they lose more talent in their front seven, you know. So, the next two years, Texas needs to kind of just. I, this is. I know you're explaining. You explain this to me, and I get everybody does where the expectations for Texas are always skyrocket high. But if Texas just takes it slow, which in, they won't, which they won't. But in two to three years, like Sarkeesian and this coaching staff, they should feel pretty good. And let me finish with this: Texas hasn't started three and zero in a season, Brady, since 2012. 2012. That's nine years, nine seasons. They also have not beaten Texas and Oklahoma State in the same year since TCU joined the Big 12. If Steve Sarkeesian can accomplish both of those things, I think Texas is, is probably feels pretty good about the position they're at in terms of their coaching staff. See, everything you said, I, like, I can't necessarily disagree with because that you can say that about Texas in any given year, that two or three years from now, they should be X. Like, they should be yes. X or Y, you know, whatever it may be. Because it's Texas, even in bad years, they're going to have a nice recruiting class. Even in bad classes, they're going to have two or three guys skill position-wise that are freaking awesome. Like, that's just the way it is. And it's just all about, going back to what I said earlier, getting the right guy in the room, the right voice, and the right mind on the sideline. And maybe it will be Sarkeesian. But where I disagree with you is mainly – you're assuming all of this not because of it's just Texas. I'm not saying that. You're assuming this because you have a much higher opinion of Steve Sarkeesian than I do. And the reason why my opinion is not that high is because I didn't think that much of him at USC. And I'm sure he got better. I'm sure he's improved as a as an offensive mind, you know, playing or coaching down at Alabama under Nick Saban. I'm sure he has. But you are what you are. 
especially if you've already been a head coach, you are what you are. And I don't think he's going to make any drastic improvements to the point where he's much better than he was and during his time at Washington or USC where I'm like, yeah, they were they were okay. But that's about cap that that's around the same ceiling that Tom Herman had. I think he has a much higher offensive ceiling for obvious reasons than Tom Herman ever did because that offense was just so unimaginative and so boring. Yeah. And I don't know if that was Herman or if that was Sam Ellinger, but even if it was just Sam Ellinger, then that's Tom Herman's fault. Yep. But the offensive ceiling is higher. I don't know about the physicality. I don't know about the defense. I don't know about that factor because Texas has certainly had that. When they go into the Cop Bowl, they, they try to make it a fight. Yep. I don't know if it's going to be there that much. With I, under again, I feel a lot better about tech, where Texas' defense is heading than I do about Texas' offense. So, I, I, the hire they made on defense was really, really good. Like, that's the one of all the things. The fact that Sarkeesian hired a good offensive line coach. They've got Alabama blood on the recruiting trail. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And the fact that they hired a good defensive coordinator that should recruit itself. Like, he shouldn't need – if he's good, like, he should be able to get guys. And, you know, the biggest thing – and I, I went and found this. So, he got to Washington in 2014. Mm-hmm. Kwiatkowski has. Kwiatkowski did. He had 16 players drafted from 2015 to 2020, Brady. 15. Or six, 16. 16 and six drafts. Five drafts. Six drafts. Yeah, 16 and six drafts. Defensive players. Oklahoma would kill for that so the fact that he did that at Washington I think that speaks to kind of where this thing's heading down there so I feel pretty good about what they're doing defensively but again offensively I have major questions like I how are they going to run what they ran at Alabama with their offensive line they're going to have to change their scheme up their running game running scheme up they don't have the quarterback that can do the things that Mac Jones did from a mental standpoint I don't think so it, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think Sarkeesian can do it because, Brady, it's not hard to say, okay, I'm going to give Byron Robinson the ball 25 times. Here's how we're going to get him the football 25 times. Because if they don't give him the football 25 times a game, like that's you, you failed offensively. Yeah, but what's, your, what's the ceiling for running back being our best player on offense? Well, I mean, Alabama. And, and, and by far. Well, Alabama. Najee Harris was Najee Harris yeah you could make the argument he was the best player on Alabama's offense but well, who else shared the offense with him the Heisman Trophy no winner. no I agree but my point is is that we are even that even furthers what I'm saying like Najee Harris the way he ran the football for Alabama this year between the tackles is why their passing game was so lethal like Texas doesn't have that they just they won't have that so that's what I was going to finish with yeah I mean I argued with you or not necessarily but our I remember our questions during the season was, um, who's OU's best offensive player? And I would say Ramondre Stevenson. And that's great to have when he's also complimented by Spencer Rattler, a, a good offensive line, Marvin Mims, Theo East, Austin Stogner. But John Robinson's going to be on an island by himself. Sure. So maybe in the late 90s, early 2000s, that could have won Texas 10 games. I don't know about anymore, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. That's what the offseason is for, but... Um, I, I just, again, I worry about you. Brady, I'm good. This is the time good. of year where everybody starts to feel good about their program. You start to, like, wash off the stank of the previous season, and you start thinking about, hey, we're undefeated in February. Oh, no, we're taking it game by game with Texas, I promise. they got to beat Louisiana week one. Then they got to beat Arkansas week two. We're on to Louisiana, basically. Are you trying to Bill Belichick this? N- dude, they, again, Texas hasn't started a football season 3-0 since 2012. No, they've sucked. They've exactly. sucked for 10 years. Yes, so yeah. my point is 
is that, damn it, they need to take it game by game. Because if they don't, they're going to get ahead of themselves. And if the moment Texas gets ahead of themselves, Brady, every time is when they fall right on their face. It's the yep. most. It's it's like you see it coming every time. So we'll know. Hey, it's the My Pillow guy on TV. <laughs> well, something else did happen today that I wanted to talk to you about, which was Bill O'Brien being hired as the offensive coordinator at Alabama. I think that's like in terms of the realm of where Oklahoma stands. Is that's going to be important for next year. Is he going to torpedo Alabama uh, like uh, he did the Texans? <laughs> yo, the best. I'm telling you, the, the guy who tweeted back at me that was hilarious. <laughs> I said, "Poor Bryce Young." And he responded and said, bro would have traded Devontae Smith for a two-star ninth grader. Yep. Like, like that's so true, which is crazy. So I think it's interesting from this perspective, Brady. They have a freshman quarterback. New system. He's got a whole – he's got to learn all of that within 12 months or nine months to win Alabama another national championship. That's really hard to do. That is extremely hard to do. They lose they – they return two – Evan Neal in the right guard return for Alabama. But outside that, they lose their center left guard left tackle, which was three of arguably their best players. They lose Devontae Smith. They lose Jalen Waddle. They lose Najee Harris. And they obviously lose quarterback. I have, again, like this is one of those years whenever you're sitting there, like, I don't know, say this is definitely a, a stocks, stonks conversation. <laughs> but, like, you don't want to, like, pick the top of Alabama's decline. But damn, it feels it feels like it this year, and I, you know, this is something that you know I enjoy doing. I want to bring this over to you as well. The schedule for Alabama next year, Brady, is bleak. Is is tough? Like not bleak. It's tough. Like they go on the road to Florida, to Mississippi State, and to Texas A&M next year. And Mississippi State maybe not as important, but they also go on the road to Auburn with with a new coaching staff that should be pretty good. But to Florida, to Texas A&M in the same year with a freshman quarterback. Like, that's going to be tough. They get Ole Miss at home with a Matt Corral back and them just putting up a bunch of passing, bunch of yards and points this year um, with a freshman quarterback and those guys. I'm not sold. Like, I'm, I'm at a point where, like, it wouldn't surprise me at all, and this is crazy, Brady, and I don't think it's going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me at all, like, if Texas A&M ends up becoming out of the SEC West next year. Say that again. That Texas A&M may come out of the SEC. Who's their quarterback? Year. I don't know, but their their offensive line's good. They've got a good running back. They've got good skill players. Their defense is going to be good. Don't do this. Don't do this. I'm not going from Texas to Texas A&M, but listen to this. Texas A&M next year, they catch Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, South Carolina at home. But A&M does have to go on the road to LSU and Ole Miss. That's it. Until Texas A&M does something. I mean, they did play pretty good this year. Against pretty two. good, pretty good, pretty good. Not great, pretty good. They played pretty good. They played one, one. Yeah, they played one. One good. worthy opponent. Yeah, well, North Carolina is pretty good, but they were missing. They were missing. They were missing a bunch of players. There you go. And um, they, and so they looked like they looked like ass against them. So, how do I say this? I'm not sitting here saying A&M Alabama, but SEC West next year is clearly those two are the best, and I'm not sold on either of them because of what you just said at quarterback at A&M. So I, I would say more than A and M, maybe I'm stupid because I am. I would say if I had to pick a dark horse West team, it'd be Ole Miss. It kind of would be. They're going to put up points. Yeah, that, a lot that, of points. That's why because I have faith in their offense to be able to move forward in a modern sense. Whereas Texas A and M is just like we've got these nice little skill guys that we just kind of dump off like screens to, but uh, we don't know who's going to throw it to them just yet. Yeah, for sure. That's that's a tough one. Maybe they could have used Micah Bowens. 
Yo, they. I don't understand why they didn't go get a grad transfer. I know they. A lot of people like the Stowers kid. That's from. Uh, Is there Aggies? Yeah, well, I mean, I forgot where he's from, but, like, the fact that he didn't, didn't win a state championship in Texas is a little worrisome, and it maybe meets me being naive, but I think he was at a, a school that was really, really good. Um, I, I have my laptop pulled up in front of me. I should just look it up. But um, And then they also have a Haynes King, a guy that, as you know, I went and saw in person and came back to you guys and was like, what's the hype on this kid? Yeah. Like, it is. The football comes down out of his hand. He doesn't have a big arm. He's not super athletic. It was just weird. Um, he's from Denton Geyer is where the Stowers kid is from. 6'4", 215, dual threat quarterback going to A&M. It just doesn't seem like a fit. So, we'll see. I'm interested to uh, kind of figure out what everything, but there you go. There's your uh, little outlook that's going to be coming from me. Alabama, I think's not going to play for an SC title next year. But I could. They, I, I'm obviously, as we see, I will put. Brady knows this. I will put determinations on all of this in final. But I think it's just interesting as you kind of look at it right now. Like Alabama's got a pretty tough road com- road schedule for a young quarterback, a new player, like basically new offense, and a new coaching staff on offense. I guess I could pull it up myself. Alabama non-conference. They go to my. They have Miami. They're going to oh, kick the shit. God. Yeah. Saban has it down, man. Uh, oh yeah, he does. let me just let me schedule logo school who was not very good. Yeah, so who, here, who will be good enough to be ranked and probably could be good enough to stay ranked the entire season to just give us a little bit more wiggle room if we lose a game. So here's A and M real quick. I'll go back to Alabama. Here's A and M. They got Kent State at home week one. Tough. They go on the road to Colorado week two. Uh, New Mexico, New Mexico at home. I will respect that road game because Alabama rarely goes west of the Mississippi. Sure. Then they have Arkansas at home or at AT AT&T Stadium, and then they have Prairie View (laughs) A&M. That's basically their – Arkansas is already on the schedule, but Prairie Prairie View A&M is the other non-con game. A&M has LSU on the road, Missouri on the road, almost on the road, gets Alabama and Auburn at home. Is Prairie View A&M a HBC? Yes. Well, I, I get, that's good. You know, gets gets get the HBC some uh, some spotlight. Uh, I guess. Oh, you're gonna love this, Brady. Alabama non-con, Miami week one, Southern Miss week two, New Mexico, and the Mercer Bears. There's your four non-con games for Alabama next year: Miami, Southern Miss, New Mexico State, and Mercer. Oklahoma can't talk too much this year, but who would have thought Nebraska would not have figured it out? <sighs> Nebraska sucks. <laughs> no, here's last thing before we wrap this up about, I guess, Alabama. One on Bill O'Brien, or I guess two things. One, I love Bill, Bill O'Brien. Why? Because he gave the Dolphins the number three pick he in the did draft do that. this year. Yes. He did so do thank that. Thank you, Bill O'Brien, the gift that keeps on giving. And also, he's going to be fine. Unless he is just that awful. Because Saban, and I love this about him, if you can't cut it, he will fire your ass. He will not. He's got he, two former NFL head coaches now, too, on the He staff. will not like have a mutually party of ways. He will not wait for there to be a nice little landing spot for you. He will fire your ass. He won't be like Bob, where he's like, well, you're my roommate in college 35 years ago. I don't want to fire you because that – that hurt your feelings. No, I forgive Bob. I've moved on. But I do like that about him. So unless Bill O'Brien's just awful, he's going to be fine. It's just a coaching rehab position. 
go repair your reputation at Alabama, and then you can be on your way. That's what Sarkeesian did. And you are drinking the Sarkeesian Kool-Aid, which I'll get, I won't. I won't I say am that. Not I won't say drinking uh, it. You you're so drinking it. No, you, I'm not. You drank it as fast as that amber. Nah, it was a good amber though. It's yeah, good. Yes, you did. Um, and then I guess with Alabama, more so, I get it. Like, if they don't play in the SEC title game, given what they've lost, I guess that wouldn't surprise me. But um, like we said before, we went on Keegan. In their down years, when they've had, when Saban has had not necessarily the right staff around him, um, they're still, even in those seasons, winning 10 or 11 games, and they're one game away from getting to the SEC title game. So their floor is is still relatively high. So it's just going to be one of those things where a going to have to prove it or Ole Miss is going to have to prove it or whoever else comes out of the, that division. So, uh, But this is something we can look forward to on Patreon as we get into uh, the offseason, as we get closer to spring football, which, of course, will be all about OU football because we'll have stuff to talk about. But in the meantime, you know, Keegan, you're going to be doing a good job with your Friday film breakdowns and – not again, not just OU, but you're going to be going into Alabama, and that's going to be important because here's the standard if you want to win a national title. And then here's some stuff to look forward to in the matchup against Texas with Sarkeesian and the concepts he's going to be throwing out there. And then uh, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of Tennessee film over the next few weeks as well, considering that their sure. roster is up for grabs. Literally up for grabs. Anybody. Fire sale. <laughs> Literally. quite, quite. How many of those guys at Tennessee are leaving and didn't get their fulfillment? paid well i mean really here's the question that's starting to be asked now what's more fun college football free agency or the hour up until nba free free agency is a, <laughs> is about to start because no longer like if it's supposed to start at three o'clock by two o'clock everybody's already signed yeah. and, and like woge and shams already put out the deets yeah it, it was it's one of those things where like these kids are having people reach out to schools for them and it's just so it, these meddling it, kids. It is. This is getting out of hand. It's out of hand. It's out of hand. Uh, you can't, like, how is how are kids literally tr- entering the portal and transferring to a place in th- like within a week? Sometimes it's like two days. It's unbelievable. Credit Wanya Morris. He went on a visit to A&M. You think he got paid down there? You know what? If he did, more power to him. And then went to OU. <laughs> he pulled the. Uh, oh, was it Eric Dickerson who took the uh, gold-plated? Uh, what was it? A Lincoln Continental? I can't remember. Or a Trans Am or something from A and M. And then he committed to SMU. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, thanks. I get like, thank you. Uh, meanwhile, I'm gonna be a pony for the rest of my college career. <laughs> oh well. Uh, Keegan, any final thoughts? I'm good. I'm good. We've got a. Uh, podcast coming with mike roach 24 7 sports lead texas guy and i know brady's gonna joke about it but i think that'd be a really good insight for people so that'll be up on the patreon probably on monday so that's what i'm gonna try to do moving forward mr trantham as you know now to try to get a podcast out and also get a uh, film review out on friday tomorrow will be a little special one we'll get a little quick kowski from washington and that is quick i believe quit kowski i think that's how you say it and then uh, a little bit of Alabama. We'll go into the little RPO game that they bring to the table. Why I think the running game at Alabama isn't is, isn't going to work at Texas. And then as well some of the passing, you know, pat, uh, route patterns and you know route trees that they use at Alabama that will translate to Texas. And it'll be interesting to see how Sarkeesian uses it. 
looking forward to it. Everybody, thank you very, very much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. Thank you once again to Vanessa House for taking care of us. And do what you need to do. Be safe. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed the last few days. And let's start to get back to normal. Please, I want to tailgate this season. I want to tailgate. Hey, you see uh, what see what Fauci said today? This isn't a... Uh... Thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>